time we were fighting to have the marriage equality vote in Australia. And you never really think when you do events that you don't think about the change you're going to cultivate, right? Or the opportunity of it. I, you just think about the work and what you're delivering an event, exactly. I have the utmost respect for anyone who wants to give their free time to help be a part of something. And if anyone wants to start in the industry, I will always say that's the best place to start. Throw yourself into it. Yeah, don't worry about the paycheck, worry about the experience. I always ask them, I'm like, why are you here? They always say, you know, because I want to learn how to do it. And I said, uh, you won't learn in here. So you need to be on the job. Absolutely. You will learn on the job. And then it ended up being the most highly watched, followed people buying tickets to come and watch it, not even for the football game, but to see the performance. And so we delivered Mardi Gras in the February, and then we delivered NRL in the October, and then between the October and the following February for the next Mardi Gras month, the vote came through as yes. And you're yelling at people to get in their vehicles, and they're like, oh, you bitchy lesbian, you're half right, get in your fucking vehicle, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are The Loaded. Dan, Dan, Dan. Welcome back. Another episode. Another of episode. The another episode. I'm, I'm, I feel like I feel like I'm growing. How? Well, from well, like all the interviews we've had, the stories. There's so many great lessons, and you know, um, people chasing their dreams. Like that's been a really interesting thing that's come up in all our untold stories. So many people. It's they've been manifesting, or yep. you know, it was it was a childhood dream, or you know. They, they had it as a kid, ended up on a different path, but then ended up here. Like, it's just been, yeah, growing, 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 growing. For me, it's all been about the journeys yeah, and people's beautiful. different stories. But that's what makes it so special. And that's why we have incredible guests that come yes, and join we us. do. Including today. I know. You're going to throw it over to me so I can get the name wrong. Of course so I, I am. Wrong. Why change a good thing? <laughs> who do we have in the studio today, Today Dan? we have the wonderful Andy Vale, who is an amazing producer that we've been very privileged to work with. Andy, welcome to our podcast. Too kind. Thank you very much. And an easy name for you. Easy. I know he did <laughs> yeah, well. I was, but you know, like, I was still literally thinking about it. I was like, I'm going to mess this up. I actually, I'm going to speak to Ryan. And I'm going to ask him to find a guest who has the most difficult name. So I can just... I can't even say your name. Well, it's not that hard. Go on, say it. It's surname. Lily. No, the surname. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's not about you. It's about Andy. <laughs> so welcome, Andy. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you. I'm actually genuinely excited and a bit nervous. Oh, you know oh don't, don't be, be nervous. Don't be nervous. You, got, you know, we've got a fellow Aussie in the, in the studio. I'm really excited because it's two, it's two on today. one. Exactly. For once, I won't sound like the odd one out. Normally, it's me. You have a nice Australian accent. Why, though. thank you. Why, no, God. I don't, you, you'll be the first person <laughs> to say that. Normally, I get people going, mm, you sort of sound this, but you sort of sound that. It's been so interesting in Dubai because you're working with people that can speak six languages, mm. you know, and they all have such beautiful accents. And it's like, oh, I sort of speak English. Sort <laughs> of. But, sorry, <laughs> on on we, a given uh, day. We're going to go slightly off topic here. But I think um, Australians have a very kind of... I want to say like natural accent. That's why I think they often work well in radio, from my understanding, right, or anything like voiceovers. Yeah, we'll go with that. I've been told. No, there's. Anyway, anyway. So we always jump in and we always go like slightly off I love topic. It. I love it. But tell people about Andy. Who is Andy? 
Sure. Um, well, I met you, what, last year um, on this project that we've it, just finished. It, no, yeah, 20, 2020. Tw- late 2020 on this project that we've just finished for Expo. Um, it's like we started so a relationship on Zoom. It was starting a relationship <laughs> on Zoom, doing uh, pre-production in lockdown. And um, so really the, the last year has been being based in Dubai, working on um, the World Expo. And uh, I guess it's sort of been... A culmination of a long-time goal of trying to make it into the large-scale mm. international events industry. So from Australia and a little bit in the Asia-Pacific, a little bit in the States, um, I guess my background is major events. Um, and in Oz, we have really great large-scale outdoor events because of the beautiful weather, etc. So, um, so are you Melbourne-based or Sydney-based? Sydney-based. Sydney-based. Um, Brisbane originally, and Brisbane-Vegas. Good old concrete jungle. Exactly. And then, um, and then I have Sydney. no idea what that means. <laughs> For once, for once. Hang on, I'm just, the way you just said concrete jungle, I'm kind of like referencing no, like Birmingham and Brisbane I'm right so now. I'm so excited right now because <laughs> normally, cool. normally it's me city. listening to you going with all these in-jokes and places to go and this, that and the other and I'm sitting there just going, I've got what? no fucking what? idea what you're on about. <laughs> I feel completely left out. So I am going to take every moment <laughs> to feel in. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, and so I think... Well, I turned 40 the day that I moved to Expo, moved to Dubai. And so it was kind of the nail of 20 years being in this industry um, the day I relocated wow. here. So, um, Did you celebrate? Uh, with a lot of champagne in business class. Awesome. Yes, and a few tears. Because <laughs> I was locked down, so I'd have been able to hug anyone for five months. So you're saying relocated? Uh, well, yes, for the eight months that I've been For the here. eight months. And so not, not hoping, like... Oh, hoping it's the start of a beautiful new journey. Isn't that what everyone's... Yeah. <laughs> they all come out here for a month or two months. <laughs> and, like, yep, and they never leave. Later, How many years for you? I'm here 15 now. Oh, surprisingly, I think 11, 12. Skin. I think yep. I've done 11, 12. Because we have to plan when we want to travel... So from far, Oz, I know. Exactly. I know. And so with this, you're sort of in the heart of everything and it feels like a good epicentre and a good Well, two th- 2005, I, I went to the UK for, you know, the working holiday maker. Amazing. Still making my way back home. <laughs> also a journey. A good story there. So you mentioned sure. 20, yeah. 20 years. 20 so, you, so you started in the industry, what, you were at 20? Uh, pretty much at 20. So um, I was a fashion design student okay. working for a haute couture in Brisbane. And um, so she, she said to me, oh, I would love to see your designs. And I said to her, I can't design, but I can sell snow to Eskimos. And give me three months and I'll triple your business. And so she said Sorry, to me... Sorry, how old were you when you said that? Uh, 19 or 18. And... Um, love it. She said... I'd Bit of balls are confident. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, but sometimes I think we had more balls when we were younger because really you're up. like you, you don't realise what you're saying right because yeah. you don't know how big the world is you're like it's also an Australian thing because many of the Australians are so. like balls. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I so. There have been many yeah, moments where I've done that too. I, but I never knew whether it was the Persian side or the Australian side, Australian. but I'll just take it. My mum calls it more ass than class. And then... Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I like it. I'm going to use that one. Yeah, sticks. Yeah. We are on fire that's today an, in the studio. That's the name of another podcast. <laughs> more ass more than class. class. can use this as an example. But um, so I was... I said to her, I'll triple your business if you teach me how to design so I started to um, design haute couture for her and um, off the rack and basically started managing her 80 businesses and her one sort of retail store 
So out of that, she sent me to fashion design school. So I was running her business full-time and studying fashion design And it's what you always wanted to do? Um, I had wanted to be a film director when I was a kid and had no... Here's here's the tangent I was looking for. (laughs) Go on. and so she, I was, I was sitting at mum's and dad's house one night having family dinner and um, volunteered at Australian Fashion Week. And um, mum, you know, got through and in, got into it. And they called me after a couple of weeks and said, oh, you know, you've been accepted as a volunteer for Fashion Week in Melbourne. And, um, and I said to them, oh, thank you very much, but you've only given me three shifts. If I'm flying down from Brisbane, I've been running business since the businesses since I was 16 I want to work all day every day so they said okay give us a day called me back and said the headdresser so the person that gets you know runs your back of house for your collection showroom they need an assistant and I said well great I'll do that so um flew to myself down to Melbourne, was there for the 10 days, total brown noser, showed up first on site every day with coffee. And um, basically by the end of the third day, they said... That sounds more entrepreneurial to me. Oh, I still think it's more awesome <laughs> class, but I like your words for it better. Um, and yeah, they, at the end of the third day, they said, look, we're going to give you your own small collection showroom to have a go. And by the end of the 10 day period, I, I think it was like the first time I saw the trust fly up over the catwalk. I was like, yeah, this is what this I'm is for to me. Do. So flew back home to Brisbane, finished my course, quit my job, uh, did a working bee at my house to finish off my final assessment um, of my poor family, uh, broke up with my boyfriend, told everyone I was moving to Sydney and I was going to work for Australian Fashion Week. So, Why um, break up with the boyfriend? Oh, because... He, he didn't friend. fit into the plan. No, he didn't fit into the plan. Didn't fit into and the plan. So <laughs> all right then, all right. Wow, this, this sounds quite brutal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing my life and moving on. And so I had, um, when I'd gone to Melbourne, I'd taken five business cards with me. You know, this is the, what, nine, late 90s, early, early 2000s. So I had five printed and laminated business cards. So cute. And I'd handed one to this guy who owned, uh, who still owns a company called Riser, who was a technical director, Barry Wafer, and gave him my business card and he said, quite drunk at the rap party girl I don't know what the fuck you've been doing all week but the designers really seem to like you do you have a card gave him my card and he said I'll give you a call so what did it say on the card uh to no avail my existing business name to this day right. always knew it was but going since to be that then. one mm-hmm. nice and um I, I don't even know what it said maybe fashion design who knows okay. something anyway but my my dad helped me make them oh bless and him bless him good old grudge and so then um when I got to uh so when I got back to Brisbane I called this guy and he goes oh girl I was just thinking about you yesterday and I went yeah sure you were and he said no seriously um Natalie who's the production manager at um IMG fashion she's looking for a partnerships and production coordinator if you want a job I'll get you an interview so he sent me the position description I called him back and I said yep I want an interview so a couple of weeks later, flew myself down to Sydney, down to Sydney uh, called Nat, lied to her and said, oh, look, I'm down there visiting family. I wasn't. You flew were there for that for specific yeah, reason. You were on the hustle. Um, totally on the hustle. Um, got mugged on my way to the interview. What? No way. Um, so showed up with, you know, good old Sydney, showed up with my head bleeding and had some of my fashion design work stolen from me. So wow. just showed up with a bunch of magazines that had had my like, work You can't it. have it. And she had to give me 50 bucks and a cup of tea. And so <laughs> instead, we just kind of went and had coffee in a chat Nat I hope you're listening to this one we're gonna have to we're gonna have to let her know (laughs) she's gonna listen to this episode did she know you've been mugged did you like say you've been mugged yes all right okay well if you rock up with your head bleeding (laughs) 
and oh, frazzled. So, like, you're like, you're um, going to have to explain it, right? Yes. You can't just pretend it's not. Well, sometimes you just ignore it, pretending it doesn't happen. <laughs> you do just, your knee. <laughs> like, oh, okay, not sure what to say. And so I used that as an opportunity. I went back the next day and um, returned $50 and took in cupcakes to thank everybody. And um, Entrepreneurial three months later, they, they gave me a job. Awesome. So in the meantime, before the job started, I continued what I'm lacking is your word hustle um and I went and volunteered at um the Tivoli Theatre in Brisbane oh. and good old Tiv and basically said to them if you teach me um you know if you teach me your lighting desk your audio desk etc I'll work for free for the next three months so um ended up working on like John Butler Trio and Cat Empire and Sarah <gasps> Blasco Cat Empire no way and Noel Gallagher came and did a whole warm-up there as a solo act etc and I basically just you know helped change lighting and you know swept the floor and helped change the bar over and while well, they taught me lighting Everything. desks and audio desks wow so I was still totally crap but at least by the time I got to Sydney I had some idea Mm. And then, um, yeah, and that was the first gig I ever delivered was an 11 marquee build on Circular Quay um, in Sydney for Australian Fashion Week. And it was... And, like, Australian Fashion Week is, like, the bomb. Like, it's... it's, it's everyone wants to get on that. Yeah, it was beautiful. Anyone working events wanted to get on that. It still happens to this day. Yeah. Yeah. It still happens. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 And Nat Grassick is now the commercial manager on the expo job I've been on, so it had been... Like it's a come full circle. It's, it's, so did yeah. she did she call you to come out, or did it just no. randomly all of a sudden you, you you found yourselves together again? Yeah, I got hired uh, by Artists in Motion, who I've been in um, at Expo with, and uh, she's their commercial manager. And she and I ended up on a call, and she went, "Oh my goodness!" And I went, no "Oh way. my goodness!" And so she's uh, been overseeing the contracting, etc., for for this job. And that is one of the incredible things about our it. industry. And I think, yeah. you know, I think more so about Expo in general, exactly. actually, because, like, you'll literally walk into the Irish Village Mouseler yeah. and uh, you're like, oh, my God, you're here. Oh, and walking, it's like, walking you know, around you, Expo. We've done a gig with someone, like, four or five years ago. Yeah. And, you know, you might have lost contact, so you'll see each other on Instagram. And it's like, oh, my God, you're in the same town. Yeah. Everybody Pretty is amazing. here The whole right industry now. was at Expo. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so I think I've been thinking about my past or where I started a lot because she and I, it's the first time we've seen each other in nearly 13 years. So wow. to be reconnecting and remembering where you started. Yeah, I've got a lot of gratitude for it. So you started off with like then the Fashion Week, but then... Um, so I was with Fashion Week for maybe three years. Okay. And um, out of that became Partnerships and Production Manager. So started working on their Asia-Pacific gigs, Berlin, um, once in LA, and then everything else within Australia. And basically, I had all of this level of experience, but kind of no, um, no groundwork base. So when I left them, I started uh, freelancing into the big, the big festivals, uh, everything from parking the trucks, driving the forklifts, radios, site, accreditation. I wanted to start at the basics and worked my way up until I was really working as site and production managers. And then that led me to starting to work at City of Sydney Council. And in Australia, they have... Sydney New Year's Eve, the huge yeah. Chinese New Year parade. They support Mardi Gras. Like, they've got a massive plethora of work. It's a great cultural um, city. There's ab- lots of amazing absolutely. cultural events. And, you know, and you're building events for 350,000-plus spectators. And these are um, iconic events. Well, they're like the global events because Sydney's such a global destination. That's right. And and so I worked for them in operations and then kind of grew into being um, head of production for them on different jobs um, and just had a wonderful time and was really where I cut my teeth. So what what, what happened to the fashion well, I haven't really gone back to fashion since yeah. then. Yeah, I um, I don't think I'm cool enough to be perfectly <laughs> honest, but I loved it. And yeah. um, but I was I think when I I delivered it as much as I loved 
I loved the fashion and the beauty. What I really loved was, you know, watching how the marquees get built and how lighting's focused and how you, you know, design and create spaces. Which and is really interesting. It, led, right, you, it yeah. led you to find your passion. Yeah, definitely. Very but cool. Overarching, I think, trying all the different jobs as I tried to figure out what kind of producer I wanted to be or what I even wanted to be in the events industry, um, doing operations and then growing into more of an event manager and finally now being able to be a producer where, um, you know, you sit in senior management roles and you can understand what the runner's jobs are and the yeah. site guy's jobs are and accreditation manager's job is because I've done them all. I was just thinking, yeah. it was about like you were talking about where you were like literally sweeping the floor, changing over the bar, yeah. whatever. Like you have to have that kind of like fundamental grounding, mm. especially if you want to be a good producer, I of understanding so. everybody's role, everyone's perspective and what they contribute to our project. And where I think it makes you a stronger producer, I'd like to think, is that it helps you to spot where the fires are going to be. Exactly. So I know that this is what I can control, but I know that that's the shit that's going to hit the fan. And you can you can plan yeah. for that, mm. or at least have capacity. Or you can make sure that you've come. covered ninety nine percent because you know that's, that's right. going to be the one percent. One percent. Well, it's yeah, almost like your time in the industry has created like a like a seventh sense, like kind of like that's a cool way to forward. put it. That's what like, sometimes I say to the team is like, oh, you know, it's almost like we can predict the future. You can't. You can just see the problems happening before yeah, they happen. Exactly. <laughs> but it's the yeah, I'd like to think anyway. Yeah. It's the yeah the signal of a good producer. Yeah, that's but only, what be, only because you've experienced it, you've yeah. gone through that. Yeah, I think that's a gorgeous way to put it. But, um, you know, and I think all of us, we can all look back at our body of work and go, oh, my God, loved it, but what a shit fight. Loved it, what a shit fight. And there's learnings out of every aspect of it. That but there's also stories out of every stories single one of them. And each of those helps you prepare for the next one. But, yeah, so I think the all of the jobs um, within Sydney really started to enable me to work overseas. Mm. In overseas, I was, I was doing a lot of high-end corporate work with Salesforce and Google in the States, which, you know, have huge budgets and huge elements of design. So it was fun to kind did of you, touch Did you find it to be vastly <laughs> different? Um, I did, actually. Mm. Uh, they have a completely different structure. Very uh, unionised. Uh, yes, but, but also um, in Australia which I actually do think is a benefit, you're kind of jack-of-all-trades, master yes. of none, because you don't have the budget to have, you know, oh, I'm I'm the catering manager. I'm sorry, you're what now? Yeah. Uh, when you're in the States, oh, well, I do all the food and wine pairing and tasting. I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and usually you do, which is amazing. But, and people tailor their life to this skill. Mm. Yeah. But in Australia, you, um, you, you have to have done it all or be it all because you don't always have the budget to have tailored people in roles. Yeah. Yep. And um, so I've, I had a wonderful experience in and out of the States. This is all pre-COVID, um, which meant that I was sort of going back to Australia after that. But within Australia um, and in Asia Pacific, it's been such a wonderful opportunity. I, you know, I'm the youngest um, and straight, only straight person, only female to ever executive produce the Mardi Gras parade. Um, which Sydney is, Mardi Gras. Yeah, Sydney what? Mardi Gras, which is the you know, largest nighttime parade in the world. Um, and that was just one of the most loved jobs I've ever done. And what was so special about it? Um, the pressure in, in some ways. Uh, two answers. The first is the pressure. Uh, you know, every hour on the hour you have to report to the police commissioner and tell them exactly what's happened in the previous hour. You have to sit in a hot seat for the whole night for uh, 18 hours straight and um, upwards of 240 police officers at any watching cameras all over the city can come and ask you questions. Um, and then I think the other part of it is kind of the heart. You know, people wait all their life to come to mm, Mardi Gras. It was it's very a, special. It's a bucket list item. Very special. And to have the privilege to help create that parade. I worked with an amazing creative director at the time um, and a brand new um, head you, of you, mu you must You must have a really 
cool story or memorable story from the, from oh, that? Hilarious story. Can you share? Yeah. I have um, to. I have to hear. So the very first year I ever did Mardi Gras, I had been. I was the show caller in the first year. So unlike a normal show caller where you sit, you know, you sit and you you call the show in order, you basically have um, 120 to 150 vehicles stacked over about for the parade. Of, mm. Yes, of, yeah. of Sydney City. And um, you spend four and a half hours stacking the parade, so you send it up the parade route in order. And this is every. So day. hang on, like I've done athletes parade before, so like my head is now baffled of trying to figure oh, out how you parades. would. <laughs> yeah, but with <laughs> athletes, sorry, with athletes parades, people, but you're talking vehicles, you're vehicles talking trucks. Vehicles. Were there floats? Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, but the, that adds another layer mm-hmm. of complexity. Yeah. Just the sheer size yep. of yep. that and so traffic management and health and safety, like it's huge, huge, huge. And you have uh, usually they have about twelve and a half thousand um, parade performers okay. and about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty vehicles. And it's a volunteer based organisation, so people literally do it out of passion, and it's a not for profit. So that means there's sometimes not the skill. Uh, but but people whose hearts are definitely yeah. in the right place. Okay. Yeah, amazing, amazingly talented people who dedicate so much of their year to it. I mean, volunteers are the most beautiful people because they give so oh much to any project. And that's where I started. So yeah, I'm never, sure, actually, I'm never going did. to, I have the utmost respect for anyone who wants to give their free time to help be a yeah. part of something. And if anyone wants to start in the industry, I will always say that's the best place to start. Throw yourself into it. Yeah, don't worry about the paycheck, worry about the experience. Yeah. Um, so basically, when you stack the parade... Um, you, you take over um, like four lanes of street on one side of Sydney's Hyde Park and then four lanes on the, on the, on the, on the neighbouring street, if you okay. will. And basically uh, you pre-stack all of the vehicles in order, but then you have to ferry in particular sponsor floats at a particular times. So okay. there's a whole strategy around it. So my briefing for this was... Basically, um, when you see when you hear the dykes on bikes coming down um, <laughs> Oxford Street, everyone drops their pills, leaves Hyde Park, and goes and gets in, goes and gets in their parade position. And I went, "Excuse me, what? I'm sorry, what?" And you have to understand, I'm from City of Sydney Council background, where you know I've run many parades with um, for Chinese New Year, etc., where people are very diligent, it's very yep. prepared, it's very well serviced, and I'm like. What? And so I had never been to a Mardi Gras parade before. So I'm standing on the corner of Oxford Street and Liverpool Street and from Taylor Square, um, which we can now talk about locations. In yeah. Sydney, yes. Um, they put a rainbow, a rainbow road. And um, what happens is you hear the roar from the crowd before you can even see wow. them. And your hairs start to stand on end. It's doing and it as now. You look up, um, as you look up Oxford Street, you see 350 motorbikes with their front lights covered to create a stacked rainbow. And they come roaring down and the roar from the crowd and the crowd behind you and everyone starting to honk the horns of the floats. And they do a massive U-turn in front of you. And then you send, so they've cleared the path. Yeah, dikes and on then bikes. Ba- yep, dikes and bikes and boys on bikes. Mm. And then basically you you give them the go to, you get the go in your ear and you roll the parade. And so they're followed by First Nations and the 78ers. And the 78ers are the ones who were the very first to march, which is the reason why we have a Sydney Mardi Gras. Okay. So as the parade rolls, the night is just crazy. And um, you're kicking people's underpants out of the way so the drag queens don't trip out of it. And so love you'll be ready. That. Sorry, sorry. Oh, thanks, love. No worries. <laughs> And then, and you're yelling at people to get in their vehicles, and they're like, "Oh, you bitchy lesbian! You're half right. Get in your vehicle." <laughs> <laughs> 
and so it is just but it's crazy and so the pray the first time that happened I had no idea what to expect and it was just gorgeous and maddening but when I became the parade producer you used to have to do the briefings and one of the standout moments was when the guys who who only like to go up in leather before anyone walks the parade route which is why they kick their underpants off they have a check from the police a decency check from the police after that they kick their they kick off. it off that they would come up to me and basically I needed one of those dolls, you know, where did the bad man touch you kind of thing. And they'd say to me, so Andy, can this part of the crack, like the crack be out? <laughs> Pointing at myself going, no guys, it's this and this. So the conversations you would have are unlike nothing I've ever done before or since, but just gorgeous. And a lot of ability to help create, um, you know, and then in juxtaposition. Well, you're, you're, you're sort of, um, you're affecting change. Well. Right, it's history. Do you know, can I tell you one story? Yes, yeah, please. When I was doing Mardi Gras, um, the same year that I was in parade producer role for that, um, I also, in total juxtaposition, was also the um, event producer for the NRL Grand Final, so mm -hmm. our equivalent of Super Bowl, if you yeah. will, each year in Australia. But we have pre-game entertainment, not halftime, which is what I used to produce. And at the time, we were fighting to have the marriage equality vote in Australia. Okay. And you never really think when you do events that you're going to – you don't think about the change mm. you're going to cultivate, right, or the opportunity of it. I, you just think about the work and – Delivering an event. Delivering an event, yeah. exactly. And um, anyway, we uh, – NRL engaged Macklemore, who has the song Same Love. Yeah. So he was to come and do, you know, a 15-minute show in broadcast, etc. Anyway, they did the deal memo with him and the song list went through and on the list was Same Love. And he came back saying, look, I, I don't want to sing Same Love because uh, it's a bit of a, you know, a downer in, in a stadium show. I've got bigger songs. And we went back to him and said, listen, here's the links to what's happening in the Australian media at the moment. Uh, and we're pushing for the, the, plebis the plebiscite yeah. vote is happening. We're pushing for marriage equality. Can you just take a look and read at this over the weekend and come back to us? And he came back on Monday and said, I'll shorten this song, I'll shorten this song, and I'll perform the whole thing, and I'll also fly out the female soloist at wow. my own cost wow. to be part of the show. So we ended up, uh, he ended up getting a lot of heat, as did the NRL. Yeah. And the NRL, like sporting bodies within Australia, are very well regarded. Yeah. And the head of the NRL at the time uh, realised he needed to support the artist that he had signed on, and he went in to the news and said... Um, I believe in marriage equality. I will be voting yes in the plebiscite. And on behalf of the NRL, we support Macklemore. And that's huge. Huge. Okay. Huge. Because it's it's the NRL, right? Yeah. It's a very masculine... And what does NRL stand for? National, National Rugby, Rugby League. League. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking testosterone central. Yeah. So to then get up and say that and to say, I support marriage equality... Yes. ...is a massive statement. Yes. But look how... And you guys did that. Uh, well, and you he, supported that. And then Cricket Australia followed. Mm. Um, the Rugby Union followed. And then the Prime Minister at the time, Tony Abbott, don't worry, I won't get political. Yeah, let's not start there. He said politics and sport won't mix. And we became the do. number one um, news article for 10 days as everyone created memes of, you know, Tony with a, a you know, a holding a football with a jersey pulled over going, yeah, politics and sport don't mix. So everyone started to get behind it. And even in America, they were talk interviewing Macklemore before he came um, about, you know, censorship. And so he was speaking about our right to vote because America had already said yes. And uh, well, our right for marriage equality. 
and then it ended up being the most highly watched, um, followed people buying tickets to wow. come and watch it, not even for the football game, but to see the performance. And when was this? Uh, this was 2017. And then, and so we delivered the um, we delivered Mardi Gras in uh, the February, yeah. and then we delivered NRL in the October, and then between the October and the following February for the next Mardi Gras month, the vote came through as yes. Incredible! But yeah. look at the impact that you've made without even realizing, I guess, because like you know, what an since then, you Who know, would ever have guessed when you start a career that you have that, and it's not just me; it's a whole body of people yeah. that have been involved on both sides but also other sporting organizations and other events now and you know those big big things like the olympics and fifa and whatever like you know everybody now is talking about equality absolutely and it's such a fundamental core value to everything that these events stand for completely and, and you help change that's that what i love course about of history. but that's what i love about events as well you know um we do what we love but we do it because we love bringing things to life but where things really change is when people come together, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I get that we do it just for the job, but a lot of what we do affects a lot of uh, history. Like, you know, because events that we do, look at the Olympics, for example. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's, the one, it's one of the most political events in the world. Right. And there's loads of things that go around and it. We, we're all part of that. Mm-hmm. Are, you know, making sure the lighting's right and this, that, getting the right entertainment, the right costumes, this, that, and the other, is actually has such a more, such a more substantial roll-on effect that we don't, we don't even realise. I know we're not doing it for that, but bringing people together and shining light on things is where conversations really start. Agreed. And is that why you, you, you like these big special events? Yes, I do. Because they have meaning, they there's have a meaning. purpose. They mean something to yeah. people. When you, even, even New Year's Eve, you know, I would work on that because it's this massive event on the, you know, the most beautiful harbour in the world, in my very biased Australian mm. opinion. But, but it is, as a, as a brand, I can say it is. To be fair. And, and then you meet people who come up to you and say, oh, I've waited my whole life to, it's been a bucket list item to come and, you know, see the fireworks at Sydney New Year's Eve. And you've just spent and your night emotional. sitting. it's emotional. Yeah, and you spent your night sitting in a water taxi, you know, trying to keep the exclusion zone protected for the fireworks. And at midnight, all you can do is, you know, hug your Portuguese ta- ta- water taxi driver. But that's what you think well, of. we create but, memories. But, but you're creating a memory. And but also historical memories. Exactly. And it's things that will never be repeated ever exactly. again. Exactly. That's right. And I think now, you know, as we're coming out of a time of COVID where we're looking at the world having changed so significantly and the arts and entertainment industry taking the biggest hit, people fighting to get back to Olympics, etc. I think those are the sorts of beauty and stories and change. You know, I don't want to see us ending up in a world of online events. No. I love, no. That, we, I love that we have them and that they're a part of, I mean, it saved you and me this last yeah. year with the work we were doing, being yeah. able to work online. But to be able to... Um, to be able to get back to humankind. Yeah, nothing, nothing replaces face-to-face. Yeah. Nothing replaces it. Yeah. Humankind was not meant to, to be insular. Yes. You know, yes, brilliant. We've got technology and technology saw us through COVID because, you know, we were able to sit at home and still connect with each other. You know, we were able to sit at home and get online. Like, God bless the internet. <laughs> you know, God bless Netflix. <laughs> like, God. all of that, 100%. But there is no way... As humanity, we could survive. Like if if, if I told you you got to be you got to live like that for another three years. Yes. God no, I, no I'll go stand right, outside thanks. and say, take me COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, no problems. But before this conversation started, you were saying, you know, we never had dreamed of being event producers mm. because a career in the arts was never something that we ever well, thought there, was you possible. Didn't, there, where where did you go to learn? We all we all learn baptism by fire. Absolutely. 
more awesome on site. classes. We exactly. Exactly. Volunteering you know? and figuring it out. And now the opportunities that's being created for the next generation, they can actually go and properly study art. They can properly yeah. study event well, production. You, can, event, you uh, can actually study events now. Like I've been, right. I've been teaching at the career. Institute since 2017 and like the, the guys <laughs> sit in the class and they're like, you know, we're, and, I, and I always ask them, I'm like, why are you here? And, you know, they always say, you know, because I want to learn how to do it. And I said, uh, you won't learn in here. You need to be on the job. Absolutely. You will learn on the job. Yeah. I go, what you will learn here is I will teach you how to think yeah. in that space, you know, but you will never learn how to become, you want an event producer or an event professional in a classroom. Yeah. I go, yeah. we didn't. No, right, that's right. on site, mate. Yeah. You know, What's, go figure it out for yourself. I have so many questions. <laughs> What's some of the biggest things you've ever learned through working in this industry? Um, I've learned that the most important thing to me is telling stories. Yeah. <sighs> See? Yep, most important thing. It's essentially why we came up with this podcast because everything we were ever talking to people about was the well, most la- important thing. Well, last season's biggest outtake was that. So yeah. we, 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 really? we wanted to speak to um, about, you know, innovation and creativity and what, what in creativity, how do you innovate in creativity? And you would think that people would start going about technology and this, that and the other and define innovation by that. But the one single thread that was repeated over and over again from different perspectives was storytelling. Yep, absolutely. And when you understand someone else's story, whether it be culture, background, whatever that is, um, equality, the things that we've touched on, briefly today uh when you understand that you can have compassion and you can cultivate change so i definitely think storytelling i think um using the arts as a platform to cultivate change and a lot of people and a very important one for me is i think a lot of people you know in school where everyone is kind of divided with arts and sport you kind of one or the other you're either a jock or a muso that's right actually the industries, we just spoke about it with um, NRL, we spoke about it with um, Olympics. Actually, when they come together, they create more such powerful. a more powerful platform because maybe I'm not a person who understands sport or I'm not a person who understands art, music, but each of them give you an equal platform to experience the other. And both of them are driven by human emotion. Yeah. You know, when you watch the Tour de France and you watch someone who's, it's their first Tour de France, mm-hmm. win it on the last day as yeah. they did two years ago and I was up for weeks crying about it. It was amazing. Or, you know, you watch, um, <laughs> I love sport. <laughs> by the way. I love sport, I know. <laughs> but... But, uh, you know, or, or it's a, a beautiful production or a beautiful show or, you know, the show we've been working on which brought us to tears in different parts. It did, many times. You know, uh, the people think that they're separate and they're actually not. they're not. Yeah. And that's probably one of my biggest learnings. Um, in school I always thought I had to be one or the other and really I think when kids are growing up now if they can have equal access to an acceptance to art and different types of sport uh, and teamwork... Um, I actually Which happens would, in both. I actually think that would create um, more well-rounded mm. human beings. Mm. That's a learning for me. You mentioned culture. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important and it has the ability, especially when it comes together, to create something really, truly amazing. And that's what you, you did with working with the, the project for Expo. That's right. 
um, which we should talk about because I am on the Dan Bolton <laughs> office, in the Dan Bolton office. You are. Because um, so that's actually where we met. I mean, we, went we, on met. A, we went on a journey in a project, which was, really, which was incredibly beautiful. Really beautiful. You know, and um, you, you talked about crying. There was a number of times when there was people, like our team came to watch the show and we cried. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was incredible. I'm looking at you now and I can see the emotion. Yeah, there's also a bit of sinusitis going on. <laughs> I'm showing you to be incredibly compassionate. Go with no, it. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm going to take a step back because I'm listening to everything that you're saying. It's you know, it's the stuff which I believe in as you know, as an event person. It's like you know, we want to make change. It's like we're not saving lives at all. You know, no. we're not on the front line or whatever. But actually, we do make a difference. Yeah. And you know, before, I, I think, before I talk think, about that, I think we don't. It's it's amazing how we downplay what we do, and I and 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 I know we True. don't save lives, but what we do, uh, I actually think in many ways we're I'm going to sound really arrogant here, but unsung heroes. Yeah. Look at if it wasn't for art and culture, again I'll, I'll bring back COVID. Do you think we would have? Most people would have survived COVID. Very it was boring. it was all the art and culture. It's all of that creativity. That got us through the hard times. Yeah. That's what we all... Music can you imagine life without music? And can you, and I, I cried. <laughs> I, honestly, I messaged you. Remember, I sent you videos. Yeah, you did, The actually. first time I got to listen to live music again, I cried. Yeah. It yeah. felt so good. So no, no. We might not save lives, but God <laughs> damn it. We do some you. pretty fucking awesome things for people. And we're also in an industry of uncertainty. And yes. I don't even mean with COVID. Always, always, always. Because, you know, you think about an accountant. Mm. A certain. I certainly don't have. But you, you move from one level and you know after, or a lawyer, you know after you've done it for this long, then you can move to this yeah. level and then this level. And, th- it's and clear. And it comes with this, a certain level of money associated with it. We don't have any of that. We have to trial and error. And you have just as many successes as you do failures. 100%. And you have to learn from each of them, pick yourself up again. I've absolutely lost everything in the global financial crisis. Yep. Thankfully, didn't lose everything in COVID. But remember being so concerned about friends that were because it was the first time. Well, that's time how we started. Yeah. yeah. And which I love. That's amazing. Good things coming out of bad situations. <laughs> we, we, like, yeah. we, we just wanted to, we had so many friends that were going through hard times. And a big part of it was they couldn't, they didn't have access to information. And we realized that we had a, a bit of a you know, finger on the pulse between us. We were able to find out information and stuff. And that's a big reason why this podcast started. We yeah. wanted to be able to support our colleagues mm-hmm. and you know, try and affect some sort of change, try and have something positive and just start creating a bit of a community because yeah, we realized there, was there wasn't. Even though we all look after each other, it's, it's very much a, you know, um, like uh, Chinese whispers kind of a thing. It's, it's if you have access to the right people, you get the information. And we're like, everyone should have access to this information. Absolutely. And that's how we started. I love that. Mm. I'm going to go back to the culture thing because, yeah. Oh, yeah. because fundamentally, and I'm not biased at all, but I do believe you have produced one of the most beautiful shows that many people have seen. Thank so you. tell us that journey that, because it is that an incredible means one. A lot to me hearing you say that. Thank you. Um, so I thought, yeah, Ryan's laughing in the background. Um, so we met. Um, at the end of 2020 when I joined Artists in Motion to come over and work for Expo. And Artists in Motion were the, or are the uh, content producing company that created all of the uh, I was so proud that Australia got that. (laughs) So proud. 
Uh, so they, all of the nighttime productions uh, within Awasu Plaza, they created the content for. Um, but the long and the short of it, I came in uh, as a show producer to deliver one of the particular shows, which was a request by Her Excellency to A.R. Rahman and Shaker Kapoor. And uh, that show um, was called Why the Musical? And as a component of that, we uh, got to put together a cast of 100 people with um, two of our beautiful friends, Nikos Lagosakis yep. and Dimitri Kritikidi, um, along with Lorenzo um, Gentile, who is our head of cast, um, and it an amazing... Like, it's, it's like the go-to of like the oh. most amazing, beautiful, international people uh, totally. that have done the best projects in the world. Totally. Um, and uh, Ike Carrera, who is the most phenomenal choreographer, just check him out on Instagram. <laughs> but basically, all of these... Fun- Phenomenal human beings, yourself included, Dan, have all worked on Olympics. And my dream is to executive produce Olympic opening ceremonies. That's what I lay awake at night thinking. And so to get to meet and work with all of these people um, to create this show was truly nerve-wracking, but also a truly beautiful opportunity. And um, the cast itself, uh, we together... DBE and, and I uh, and the people I just mentioned put together a cast of 54 cultural groups, which were uh, Ukrainian, African, Chinese, help me out here, oh, <laughs> Sri Lankan, Indian, Filipino, yeah. and one more, whirling dervish. Yeah. Um, and I flamenco. forgot one more. And Spanish flamenco. Yep. There we go, that's the eight. And I uh, did that terribly. We love you. And uh, basically, we, Nikos was working with Dan and auditioning them uh, from June last year. And um, there was a song created by A.R. Rahman called Dance of the Atoms. And um, the song uh, has the lyrics, Sifuna and Janja Ukadansa Dansa. And I just totally said that wrong. I'm so sorry for anyone. It who sounded really good. good. And uh, no, it's Sifuna. I always say it wrong. Um, which is, uh, it means we just want to dance in Zulu. And basically, Shaker Kapoor want, always envisaged this song about being, uh, about connection. And basically, uh, it it's meant to be a song that shows um, you're an atom and I'm an atom and actually we're all the same and we're the same as the, the show actually says um, a, a raindrop, a flower, we're all connected. Wow. And so this beautiful 55, 54 cast would hit stage and they would dance in chaos first, doing their own style of traditional dance against this crazy African beat and then by the end of the song they all dance in harmony. And um, there were many beautiful elements in the show, but that one, I think, was incredibly one. close to our heart. Of course, I mean, like, we're, we're slightly biased, but it was incredible. Every night. But even taking a step further back, like, you produced this literally from lockdown in Sydney, <laughs> on your sofa, like, across multiple different many, time zones. Many tears at you. Uh, yeah, so I was meant to travel in May of last year to relocate here and couldn't. And Sydney went through another bout of um, lockdown. Because Australia had big lockdowns. Oh, it was it was the world's longest in the world, I think. Lucky you weren't in Melbourne, at least. Oh, absolutely. Very fortunate. And um, we, as a part of it, my office was literally one kilometre outside of the radius. So I spent five months all by myself <laughs> sitting in my unit, my poor cat, and <laughs> having emotional breakdowns, but trying to run this show. And we had uh, Nikos in Greece, Demetra in Greece, uh, Ika, the choreographer in Spain, um, my associate producer, uh, Elizabeth Templador in um, Mexico, um, half of the team here in Dubai, you're in Dubai. So we... Oh, my God, the, the time the difference. Eight, like, when did you actually sleep? time zones. I didn't. I used to just do full... I just, honestly, I'd just sleep with the laptop open, and when I'd heard the bing, I'd wake up again. <laughs> the 
client used to say to me, what times are in You're the like, morning? You're like, hello. I'm like, all of them. <laughs> and um, so we, we did that for, for five months and the amount of communication and trust yeah. um you know i still remember when we brought nikos over for the um the auditions and i said to dan i'm like please just look after him and so you know the, your team would be traveling with them to uh, you know every single rehearsal and every single audition to, yeah, you, you, you know, couldn't, to you couldn't physically be here that's right and so when we finally i think nikos and i had spoken nearly every day since uh january and the first time we ever met one another was on the 6th of september when he arrived in dubai and the two of us finally got to look oh, wow, at each like nine months after like physically working with somebody sorry so just extraordinary circumstances Mm. and you know and it made the whole process much harder but um the good thing is is that you could hide red wine in your cups of tea on zoom so we all sort of got (laughs) really you know (laughs) but um you just you yeah whatever it takes whatever it takes because the the will to get back to work, the will to create, the will to be a part of story, the will to create jobs for other performers, mm. um, all of that was the driving force. So um, what's next? You jumped in with that killer question. Yeah. Hang on, I'm going to go, what was like the the most important thing that came out of this project? Because you talked about previously about, you know, they've, everything's made like a, a like a social or a, yep. a, 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 you know, a significant impact. But for you, what was the most special thing about this one? Um, I, oh gosh, that's a hard one to answer. Um, you might not even know the answer yet. I, I actually don't know if I do. I, I can tell you the things I appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate um, the opportunity to get to work in a really remarkable venue with people that I think are incredibly talented and world-class at what they do. Um, I feel very humbled by the fact, I'm going to get emotional, by the fact that we got to create such a platform and jobs for so many amazing people. I am getting emotional. Um, And I hope for me it means that uh, what I've always tried to be about, which is about story, which is about culture, which is about kindness, I hope that it can be um, the next phase of getting to do that. More and more. Globally. More and more. You touched upon the... um like the jobs for people. I can't remember what it was you just said, but it just made me trigger. We had a conversation, I remember. And there was a moment, I think it was after the opening night, and especially with the multicultural group, you know, like these people have like normal jobs, you know. They're cultural performers, so the performance is something they've had like for a very long period of time, but like they don't necessarily do this in a professional capacity. And I remember the day when they came off stage, and it was just like, oh my God, like they'd had this opportunity to perform in front of so many incredible, you know, incredible people. To show their culture, to tell their story, but also be brave enough to trust us um, to tell it in a way that they wouldn't usually so uh, a very traditional or authentic Chinese dancer is used to doing it to a particular type of music and now you're asking them to do it to an African beat and to trust us um, but then you know that you will honour it that exactly and respect uh, it, respect yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and that they had a voice in the development process which is a total credit to Nikos and Dimi but then further to that that they can um, I guess further to that that then they've got to get up the next morning and go to their day job yeah. And go home and feed their kids and oh, yeah. anti climax. Oh. You're like, oh, and it was it was the story so about the Chinese one. I didn't realize, but yeah. you know, I think we I think we cast like eight Chinese people. Uh, ten, for sorry, eight, ten, eight but eight performers. performers. So and they, they would all share. yeah, they were yeah. sharing babysitting duties. So they would have babysitters I'm on. I'm telling rotation. you, the power of humanity is That's the right. most phenomenal thing in the world, and the will to tell stories. Yeah, and I think you achieved both of them during yeah. that that, yeah. that performance. It was incredible. I agree. I'm going to change my last question. The emotion that washed over you just now, what was that? 
Um, excitement and hope, I think. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very, um, very hopeful for what's next. Very, um, very appreciative. And I think trying to reconcile what 16 months of my life <laughs> has looked like because uh, it's coming to a close mm-hmm. in a week. I mean, you're going to have to process that. I, it's, yeah. been, it's been intense. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, it's um, been a, a big an journey. And, and, and intense. But um, yeah, and now to, to figure out what's next and to try to be really open to. Hope. Yeah. yeah hope, hope. Is a, hope is a nice way to end this. Uh, yeah. And, this, and, uh, and hope for all of us that yeah. we all, you know, get to actually get back to doing what we all do best. Love yeah. it. Yeah. So Love what it. is next for you then? Uh, definitely holiday. Sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Going back to your cat, I'm assuming. Um, uh, Mum and Dad are doing very well with that. She's oh, being okay. handfed Christmas prawns still, so I don't oh, think I'll be remotely... Well, it is the, the, the grandchild, man. It's the grandchild. It's the third child is as good as it's going to get for a while. Um, I definitely think a, a holiday, and, um, and I'm very keen to be open to opportunities actually in this region. Yeah, because you said that at the very beginning. Yep. It's one of the things we talked about. Yeah, 100% um, what I want to do. I've, I'm really excited by the opportunity here. I was just say, what is what is that, what are you excited about here? Uh, I think one of the legacy. Uh, I think that this is a country that's really starting to find its voice of what it wants to do culturally. And we're both from a multicultural society. And this is a, an absolutely multicultural society, yes. And uh, and I think there's a huge amount of talent, um, and, and there's a platform. Yeah. Uh, but the ability to create. Yeah. Um, so I very much want to be not just a part of it. I want to be at the yeah. forefront of it. But I think you already ha- you already are, because for the show that you produce, which God, why be a voice in my head, please. <laughs> but why the musical is like it's one of the first originally produced pieces of content and shows from the UAE. That's amazing. Like, with cast from the UAE and performers from the UAE and, like, creatives and people, like, you know, came and flew in, but, like, it was produced and brought uh, I, have, I have a spare room you can use. Amazing. There you go, done. She's done. not going anywhere. Go have your holiday <laughs> and come sorted. back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I just said February, April, <laughs> April sorted. That's what well, the There you go. Is. Thank go on a holiday s- for Ramadan and come back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Enjoy me. your holiday. I'm super honoured. Thank you so much. We're yeah. honoured. No, Honestly, you've left us very inspired. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah. Oi, 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 huh? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Good night. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are The Loaded. <laughs>